Hello and welcome to another episode of Save the Track Bike. I'm your host, Josh. Today's episode is very exciting, but before we get into that, I want to give you guys a little announcement that I will now be collaborating with FixGearCrit.com. Uh, right now, it'll look like kind of just a little bit of cross-promotion with them, and then hopefully in the future, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, that's a thing that's happening now, and I'm super excited about it. Um, I got to interview Brian Meggins, uh, who started FixGearCrit.com, so that episode will be coming out in a couple weeks, and I have a bunch of other really rad interviews lined up, so definitely stay tuned, definitely go subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or YouTube, however you want to listen to this, and yeah, you'll kind of get them as they appear, and uh, they'll also be published on FixGearCrit.com now too, so That'll be really rad. But yeah, today's episode, I got Addison Zawada of the State Bicycle Team. We talk Red Hook. We talk mini drones. We talk about his breakup with Red Bull. Uh, we talk about how he got involved with State. He's managing the State Bicycles uh, race team. So we talk about their plans for 2018, which is super exciting. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Addison Zawada. Sweet. Uh, so I'm here with Addison Zawada. Do you want to, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, that is, that's correct. It's uh, it's pronounced just like it's spelled, Zawada. Nice. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself for the folks out there? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name's Addison Zawada. I'm 26 years old, spent most of my life in Florida, but currently residing in Montreal, Canada. Uh, I've been racing fixed gears since 2011, from alley cats to crit races to the Red Bull Mini Drome and a few different ones that sort of combine the likes of track bikes and BMX, like Ride and Style and uh, Rad Race over in Berlin. So I try and make I try and make myself accessible to as many different bikes as possible because I just genuinely enjoy riding bikes. I don't necessarily have a specific one. But fixed gears and track bikes do hold a special place in my heart because it's sort of where I got my start. Nice. Uh, so yeah, let's just get into that history on how you got into cycling and and all of that stuff. Yeah. So it all started back in two thousand and three, I believe. Uh, I grew up racing BMX, so it started actually almost completely by accident. Um, a few of my friends raced BMX in the local neighborhood, and one of my friends invited me out one day. I wasn't supposed to go. My mom said I wasn't allowed to, but I snuck out to the track anyways, <laughs> and uh, I, I had my first experience with BMX, and that first experience entitled or entailed me basically face planning on the first jump of my first <laughs> lap ever on a BMX track. Oh, no. So, How old were so, you when this was a- happening? I was 11. Oh, nice. Um, so, so to sort of rewind, there was a, a kid growing up in the local neighborhoods. Uh, his name was Jeff Moore. And everybody looked up to him. He was, he was the cool kid. He was, he was like the Chaz Christensen of the BMX world where I lived. Like everyone wanted to be Jeff and everyone aspired to be Jeff. And so he was out at the BMX track that first night. And I was like, all right. I was confident. I went into it. I was like, I'm going to show off for this guy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cool. And I'm going to go out and jump stuff the first lap. First time down the hill, went up the first jump, smash, face plant. And from then on out, I was hooked. I don't know what it was about that first crash, but I haven't stopped riding and racing bikes since. It was, uh, I guess, the adrenaline rush, something that I had never felt before, but it just keeps drawing me back time and time again. Yeah, I started off in BMX too, so I, I feel you there. Whereas like yeah, so, my dad raced motocross though. And then he basically put me on a bike when I was five and was like, you're not ready to race motocross yet, but let's race these bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. They, they always, everyone that I grew up with said that you either, you went one of two ways, you either started BMX to race motocross or you started racing BMX to race mountain bikes. And 
Fortunately, I never ended up in either one, but I know a lot of people that did. Uh, I was always scared of motorcycles. I love dirt bikes. They're so much fun, but I've hurt myself and broken enough bones without a motor. I don't even want to know what would happen if you strapped a motor to me. For sure. I never actually, like, I started racing motocross a little bit when I was a teenager, but like, yeah, my first just, two races. Just wasn't for you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is too much. I'm going to go back to BMX. <laughs> Yeah. And then like, as I grew older, something about, I I really like having to put the effort forward to get that result. Like now, whenever I'm mountain biking and road biking, I really enjoy like people take the lifts up to the top of the mountain and stuff, but I actually like riding up to the top of the mountain because I enjoy working for the result. So like working for that downhill in the end and working for that speed. So I, I've, I've definitely, uh, Motors are cool, but I'm I'm more of a pedal kind of guy. I'm with you. No, so after so I raced BMX for a number of years and got pretty good. I raced until 2010 ish, I believe, pretty consistently, and I got good. I, I turned pro, but I never really had the desire to train. I was a, a lazy 17, 18 year old kid, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> basically just relied on my skills until it got to a point where everyone had just as good a skills as I did, but they put in the time and effort to train. So then my career as a professional cyclist sort of tapered off. And then I picked up my first fixed gear actually from a bike shop I was working at in Florida and used it commuting back and forth, but also to get a little bit of training in, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'll give, I'll give this a little shot. Maybe I'll do some training. And then I fell in love with the fixed gear and, and a little bit of like distance riding and commuting back and forth to work. And then my friend Kirk Sonos, who also lived with me in Jacksonville at the time, threw his first alley cat called the Hellcat Alley Cat in Jacksonville, Florida. That was 2011, I believe. And I raced with a few kids from Georgia who were really fast when I was really slow, but I knew the city in and out. So Ended up following them into a fourth place in my first ever fixed gear race, uh, which happened to be an alley cat. I think it was ended up being about 25 miles or so. It was a great race, uh, but I ended up fourth, and that was like, okay, all right. Well, this was pretty fun. This was this was an adrenaline rush, a little bit of a different one. You know, weaving in and out of traffic, that whole everything that comes along with an alley cat, almost dying about 15 <laughs> times. Yep. <laughs> um, so. So that was a different kind of adrenaline rush that I had never experienced before. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a little bit more of this. And then a couple months goes by, no really races happen because it's sort of a small scene in Florida, so it's pretty few and far between. And then I hear about this event called the Red Bull Mini Drone. I'm like, all right, well, I've always wanted to be sponsored by Red Bull. That's a pretty big one. You know, growing up in BMX, you know, everyone aspired to be a Red Bull athlete. If you had a Red Bull helmet, that pretty much meant you were the shit. For sure. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, well, Red Bull's name is on this. This must be pretty cool. So I started diving into it, and I saw the videos online from the events over in Europe. And I was like, okay, all right. This is pretty cool. I might be kind of good at this. This is You can kind of relate this a little bit to BMX. So, so Kirk, again, got, got us a few spots in the event through mutual friends, went down there, was crazy nervous because you know being Zawada the last name I was one of the last ones to qualify so I was sitting there all night watching these people go and everyone was just crashing and bombing and dying and it was <laughs> it was completely terrifying and as I'm I'm watching all these people I'm like oh man I don't know if I can do this and then I got on the track and it just felt like I was right at home like it was one of the most natural feelings ever and I went faster and faster and faster and ended up qualifying first by like three seconds. And it's on a, essentially a 45 second race. So that three seconds is quite a bit. Uh, so qualified first and then was partying in the crowd and cheering for my friends and hooting and hollering. And I was actually standing on a bar stool, uh, cheering for one of my friends and the security guard comes over and, Tells me I have to get down, and I can't. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then she kicks me out. She <laughs> full-on kicks me out of the bar for standing on a bar stool cheering for one of my friends. And I was like, well, what, wait, what? Oh, she's like, you're giving me attitude. And I was like, I didn't say anything. I said, okay, and got down off the bar stool. And she kicks me out of the bar. Jeez. So here I am. So here I am qualified first. 
kicked out of this bar, about to go into the finals, and I don't know what to do. I don't know anyone there. It's it's down in Orlando, so like I don't have any contacts or anything like that. So I call Kirk and I'm like, Kirk, they kicked me out of the bar. I don't know what the hell's going on, but they kicked me out of the bar. You gotta figure out how to get me back in. And like 15 minutes goes by, and he finally finds the event coordinator. Her name's Pamela. Uh, and she she comes rushing outside and she's like, Whoa, hold on. This is not okay. So she grabs me, drags me back inside. And then I go on to win the event. So that was that was a huge thing. It's like, all right, well, I won this event, Red Bull's name on it. This is a this is a pretty big deal. And then the guys that were actually the production team of the team, or the production team of the event, invited me up to Montreal for the next one. I was like, all right, well, you guys pay in my way. Well, like, no, we don't really have any, we don't have any cash for that, but but we'll get you a spot and you're more than welcome to come up and, and try your hand at this again. So I borrowed some money from my mom and went to Montreal. I was a a lonely kid that didn't know anybody in Montreal. I didn't speak French. I have never been out of the country before at this point in time. I flew to Montreal. I unpacked my bike at the airport and rode my bike from the airport to downtown, which is about 15 miles or so. And I got completely lost. I got so turned around, it was ridiculous because everything's in French there. The maps are in French, the people are speaking in French, and I don't know a word of French, not a single word. So I go into a few hotels and I try and figure out where I am. And a few people have a couple words in English, but not really much at all. And next thing I know, it's 4 a.m. and I finally found downtown. I get a hotel room above a bar that's just, it's still going. I don't know what it is about people in Montreal, but they never sleep. Like it was 4 a.m. <laughs> and they were still crushing. <laughs> I went up to our room. It was, it was like, it was probably, the, it was one of the worst hotel rooms I've ever been in. I don't even think it had an outlet in there to charge my phone. Jeez. But it cost me like $100. I finally got to sleep and then woke up the next morning finally got my bearings around me and located the venue. And there I met this group called the iBike Group. Uh, it's a bike shop in Montreal. Nice. And they quickly became some of my best friends. Uh, one of my, well, actually, my now wife was part of that group. Oh, that's awesome. So so I met my wife that first day. And then a bunch of a bunch of the iBike guys were like, hey, we're going out to lunch. They, they spoke a fair bit of English. The gentleman that owns the bike shop is actually not from Montreal. So he's, he's fluent in English. That's his first language. So I met them, hung out with them, went to lunch with them. Uh, they invited me to stay at their place. So I be- grew this instant friendship. And this is something that is that's really cool to me. I'm in a different country. And now I've got, I've got legitimate friends in this different country. So it's like, all right, well, this is, this is pretty cool. So go on. I end up winning that race as well. And then they invite me again to Toronto in two more weeks. I'm like, okay. I flew back home, got my bearings around me, borrowed a couple more hundred dollars from my mom and drove up to Toronto. I also borrowed her car. I was like, mom, I want to go to Toronto this weekend for this race. Can I borrow your car? <laughs> and she sort of looked at me like, Toronto, that's another country. Why do you want my car? Well, we're going to drive because I'm so I can take one of my friends, so it will be cheaper and easier. Okay, so I borrowed her car, and drove <laughs> to Toronto with my friend Cody Drummond. It was 20 hours. On the way through, I was so determined to get there that I literally drove all 20 hours straight through, no sleep, no nothing, just living on Red Bull, high as a kite. It was crazy. <laughs> so get to Toronto. Lo and behold, I end up winning that event again. And then they're like, all right, well, we got another one. The final for the year is in Vancouver in two more weeks. Okay, well, I can't drive to Vancouver, obviously. So I went home, borrowed a little bit more money from my mom, and flew to Vancouver and ended up winning that race. I'm like, all right, well, something's here. This is, this is something. Obviously, I'm, I'm relatively good at this, and maybe it's something I should pursue a little bit more. So I, sort of, I put the BMX dreams on the back burner and sort of reshaped everything. And then... A long time went by, a couple months, and didn't really hear anything from Red Bull like I had hoped. I was hoping, oh, man, maybe this is like my foot in the door for Red Bull. Didn't really hear anything. And then March comes around of the next year, 2012, 
And I hear about a mini drum event. No one told me, no one contacted me. I actually found it, I think, on Facebook. I found this mini drum event in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is about nine hours from my house in Florida. But it was the next day. So I had to make a decision like right then and there. I posted on Facebook. I was like, hey, does anybody want to go to Charlotte, split the gas with me, and go to this Red Bull event and have a good time for a weekend? Kirk, again, hopped in the car. We went to Charlotte. Did not win that race. Actually, I got third in that race. So they let the, the turnout, unfortunately, was very, very minimal for that event. So they pretty much let anybody that had a bike on the track. So I ended up racing one of my good friends while he was on his BMX bike, which a, a BMX bike versus a fixed gear in, in that situation just doesn't work. It's like I got close, but I couldn't quite squeeze him out. Yeah. But the event, but the event director of that weekend was a big wig at Red Bull. He'd been with them for years. At the time, I believe he was the athlete marketing manager for the East Coast. So he comes up to me after the race. It's like, hey, I know you didn't win. It was interesting circumstances this time. But I want to send you out to San Francisco for this event that I think you're going to like. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really have much money. He's like, nope, nope, this one's on me. Full expenses paid. We're going to get you out there. We'll cover your hotel flight and everything. I'm like, oh, this is a big deal. <laughs> This guy from Red Bull, just he just lured me in, and he's going to pay for everything. This is awesome. So I show up to this event, did a bunch of research on it, watched a bunch of videos. I get there, and it's it's insane. Red Bull riding style is the most insane event I've ever been to. It's essentially a skate park in the middle of a plaza that they built a race course inside of. So there's jumps, there's berms, there's all sorts of crazy different stuff. So this is right at home for me. I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh man, this is, if I could build the perfect course for me, this is it. Between BMX and fixed gears, like it just doesn't get better. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I race and no one there had ever heard of me. I, I'm all by myself the whole time. No one knows who I am and I go out and win the event. And this is at the time, back in 2012, this is as big as it got for fixed gears. Like Red Hook was coming up, but I think this was right on par with how big Red Hook was at that time. Yeah. Uh, it's just a huge event. There were people from Japan, people from China, people from Europe, like all over the world. This was it. This was the number one event, and I won it. That's so awesome. this was my stamp. This this was like my seal of approval from Red Bull. I went out there on their dime, and this is the that's the event that sort of stamped my my card with Red Bull. So couple months later, I start talking with Red Bull. Go the next year in 2013. Lo and behold, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing as a living. And here I am six years later, and I'm still doing it as a living. I've sort of reshaped my dynamic, but uh, I'm now riding a bike for a living. I'm very fortunate in that aspect. But that's, that's awesome. sort of that's sort of what shaped me and kickstarted my 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 lifestyle i guess yeah there's a few things i want to unpack uh unpack in there so yeah first uh <laughs> what do you remember what that first fixed gear bike was like what were you riding back then it was it was a uh i've actually still got it oh, it's nice. a it's a steel frame motobicane i don't remember which model i think they only had one yeah uh but it's it's a just a steel frame motobicane uh bright orange uh, completely stock. I just threw riser bars on it. Yep. Uh, I, I had that, that same that exact it. bike. <laughs> I, I think it was, I think it's like the first fixed gear for so many people. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really like for the, the three or $400 that it was, it was a pretty good bike. And like, it's still going. I used it as a, uh, I used it as a work bike when I, I worked out in Santa Monica for about six months with uh, a courier company out there. And I beat that thing to hell and it is still <laughs> just cruising along. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to touch on is, uh, the mini drone. What happened to those? Did the interest just like completely dissipate or. Do I don't you know? know if the interest, I don't know if the interest really went away. Um, so Red Bull is always, they've always done these events and they sort of have a timeline on how long they're willing to do an event, unless it's just like, one of their staple events, like a Red Bull Rampage or a Red Bull Flutog, For unless sure. it's one of those major events that makes Red Bull Red Bull, 
they only do it for a limited amount of time and then they let it go because they don't want to beat a dead horse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it never, it never really lost interest. Like here in the States, it was never, it was never crazy big, but in Europe, it's insane. Um, there's, they fill out stadiums to run that event in Europe. It's, it's, it's just huge, but they just sort of let it go by the wayside um, while it was actually at its peak, probably just because that's just how Red Bull works. They don't want to, they don't want to kill something. They like to leave it on a high note. That makes sense. Um, and they, they might eventually bring something back, but yeah, they just sort of let it go to, to end it on a high note. I would probably say. Yeah. And you recently broke up with Red Bull, right? Yeah. So this year, Red Bull and I, we, uh, we split ways. They have, so I guess a little a backstory on that is when I started with Red Bull, um, it was because of events like the Red Bull Minidrome, Red Bull Ride and Style, an event sort of like what the Rad Race go-kart track would be, the last man standing race, an event yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, they've sort of, with Red Hook getting so big, they've sort of shifted their, their desires and what they want. Uh, and I, I really, don't get me wrong, I really love the the red hook race and i love the vibe in the environment for sure but it's it's not something to to really do well at red hook i feel like you have to focus on doing that race like that's the one thing that you are training for um to really do well at that race you have to make those four races a priority through the year Mm -hmm. and that's just not something that i really want to do i really love riding every different type of bike there is uh, from riding my BMX bike to riding downhill mountain bikes in the summer, riding road bikes and fixed gears and cross bikes and gravel bikes. I just like riding a little bit of everything and really enjoying that ride. For sure. I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that can spend the entire year doing one type of bike and training for one event. It just it gets boring to me. I have to switch it up all the time. That's why you'll see me on a gravel bike part of the year and a mountain bike part of the year and my BMX bike sometimes. So I just I really like to keep it different and interesting. Yeah. Uh, and they really want they really wanted me to focus on that one race period or that one race style. So we just we just had a little bit of disagreement there, as well as I'm really diving heavily into the gravel stuff now, and it didn't seem like they were, that was something that they had a huge interest in. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, but state seems to be pretty into it. Am I wrong? State is, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so state is extremely into it. Obviously, like state's got a huge fixed gear background, but now with me being on the team and I'm actually managing the team now. Yeah, I wanted um, to get into that as well. So, yeah, yeah. So, so with the gravel thing, uh, once they brought me on, and they already had a couple good gravel bikes and cross bikes and. Um, it's sort of been a work in progress. It wasn't for a long time. It wasn't really our demographic, but now that gravel and cross are getting so big, it's something that one, we can't ignore, but two, our, our following is starting to grow interest in that. So it's something that we're actually working pretty heavily on. We're working on a couple frames right now that we're hoping to have by sometime next year. I've been seeing Um, on your Instagram, you, you writing that carbon version. Yep. So we're, so we're working on a few different things and a couple different prototypes and sort of seeing what direction we want to go to it, what demographic we're going to appeal to, so on and so forth. So that's sort of an ever-growing project. And I'm also hoping to introduce like a full-on gravel racing team next year. Um, if, if, the, if our frame comes out and everything works like I want it to and everything goes to plan, I'm hoping to actually add a gravel racing plan on the, the on the state bicycle team. Nice. So let's go mm-hmm. back into like, how did state happen for you? And, uh, let's go into also like how you ended up becoming the manager of the team. So a couple years ago I was riding for leader bikes way back in the day, right after I run that first ride style leader bikes reached out to me. Oh wow! And so I ended up riding for them for about a year and a half and it was a good fit. I really liked the owner, the, um, he was a really good guy, but I never really, I never really clicked with the rest of the team. Uh, so it wasn't somewhere that I felt at home or in a natural setting with, but after the, after that first Wolfpack hustle marathon crash race that I raced at, I got third there and I met the state bike team with Scott and, 
Um, Craig, Scott won that year. Craig got second and I got third. And I met them and it just instantly clicked. Like they would just, they wanted to have fun. Yeah. They were just all about having fun. Like racing, they were extremely serious about racing, but at the end of the day, if it wasn't fun, it wasn't important to them. And that's, that's something that I've always really tried to keep high as a priority in my, in my cycling is having fun. So I naturally fit with them and went by for a few years and I rode for leader for a little while. And then I got off of leader cause it just didn't fit right. And then I went a couple years on my own and so on and so forth. And then finally I just couldn't deny it anymore. I traveled with, I travel, I was traveling with state a couple times. I stayed with them. I housed with them at different races and, Finally, I got to a point, I was just like, you know what, Maddie, why don't we just do this? Like, I'm always with you guys. We're, we're always together. We're always racing together and staying together. Let's just put me on the team and let's just see where it goes. And that was, I think, four years ago now. It was uh, my first race with them was Milan back in 2014. I can't remember exactly. Nice. Um, but so went by. Time went by. Everything went really great. I was a great fit with the team. Everyone was extremely excited. It was it was just a lot of fun. And then with the release of the undefeated two bike that we've got now, mm-hmm. we were like, okay, well, our bikes are starting to pick up for a little while because we had a lot of serious races. We had a lot of really fast talent on our team, but we didn't have a very serious bike. It was still sort of that entry level steel bike that appeals to a college commuter that. Uh, cost a couple hundred dollars, but it's not it's not a crazy race bike. And then the undefeated two came out, and we were like, okay, well, let's get a little bit more serious about this, and we'll start attracting a little bit more serious, talented riders. And a season went by, and the new undefeated was really good. And then I talked to Medi, and I was like, Medi, you know what? I'm I'm doing this cycling full time. I've got a little bit of extra time on my hands. Uh, I know you're crazy busy with the company, and I think it would be really good to have an official face at all of the races. So Medi didn't need to come out to the races to be that official face and waste travel money. Since I'm going to be there, why don't we make me team manager, and I will try and sort of grow the the race program from there. And Medi agreed to it and gave me this management position, it was it was cool for me because I've never really managed anything, so it's a good it's not only a good learning experience for me, but it's a it's a good opportunity for me to make contacts throughout the industry and take my experience from growing myself as a brand with when I was with Red Bull. I learned a lot of tricks and tips to sort of growing a brand there, and I can use that to grow the team and bring on new sponsors as well as it gives me something to sort of piggyback off and to approach a new sponsor myself and be like, hey, I manage this team like. We've got a lot of outreach, like between state, we've got three quarters of a million followers in outreach. So it's, it's basically a really good package that I can lean on, but also state can lean on as well. For sure. That's awesome. So you guys are, so the team is growing this year and there's a bunch of new sponsors coming on. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So this year I was extremely heavy. The one thing like, obviously our riders are not serious enough. Like no one's really getting paid from state um, to go out and do these races. So I wanted to make it as enjoyable and as accessible for all of our team as possible. So my one goal was to make the race process essentially cost free for them between travel and parts and uh, kits and all that stuff. I wanted them to be able to just show up to the race and not have to worry about spending all this money to get there because at the end of the day, they're not making any money. But if I can, if I can make it, if I can, if I can cut even with them to where it doesn't cost them any money, that they don't make any money, then everyone's super happy. Um, so this year I chased a bunch of new sponsors and we ended up settling with uh, Victoria Tires. They're doing all of our tires for the crit team this year. That's awesome. We've got Enduro. We've got Enduro, which is a, a clothing company from the U- UK. That's you still hey. there? So you cut out for oh. like a little while. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. No, you're good. I don't know. It was. I think it was my internet. Like, was weird for a second. So we cut out uh, like okay. right before you started talking about Enduro. Okay. Um, so Endura, uh, it's a it's a company based out of the UK. It's a, a company that I've I've been following for a little while and. 
uh, been good friends with one of the the representatives for a long time. We used to race gravel or cross back in back in the day, and they, whenever I brought brought it up to them and pitched it to them that we got this fixed gear and gravel team that are sort of in the works and up and coming, and they were instantly hooked. They just love the idea. Uh, it's it's a really big company over in the UK, but they're sort of they're relatively new to the US. They've got a pretty small program over here. So that's where we're going to come into play. But it's the same kit company that actually does the skin suits for Movistar. And the skin suits that we'll be rocking are actually the same exact skin suits that Movistar does, just with our custom branded logos. Nice. So that's that's pretty cool and something that I'm extremely, uh, extremely excited and extremely proud to be able to say that we're going to have the same skin suit technology on our back as a multi-million dollar team like Movistar. For sure. So that's... That's huge. So um, it'll be on it'll, uh, the Tour de France, and it'll be uh, in. You it, know, it'll, be in Red Hook, it'll be in well, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is just it's another another step in bridging that gap between uh, the fixed gear world and the road world, and being that top elite level for sure. Um, so then we've got Oakley doing our eyewear. The the new Prism technology is it's so good. Being I've got lenses that I can transition from from day to night and have no problems seeing in either one. So their technology there is obviously unparalleled. Everybody knows that Oakley is, it's just the best. So we're rocking Oakley eyewear. We've got Bell as our helmet protection squad. Uh, we've been with them for a number of years and we sort of stepped up and now we're doing like, instead of painting helmets or something like that, we've actually got full custom helmets that came from the factory in, uh, in Asia as as branded with state bikes on it so that's really cool and something we're we're pretty excited about that's awesome and then north wave is doing our uh our shoes we we partnered with that company and they're they're actually based out of italy they do a lot of work over in europe with with the fixed gear community over there but they're really excited about growing it in the u.s as well as sort of stepping into that gravel program so that's going to be a, a big step for us in growing that gravel program for next year is having a company like Northway that's got a lot of interest there. But they're doing our shoes. And then last but not least is actually one of my personal sponsors. It's, so this company called Joystick based out of Vancouver, uh, a good friend of mine that I've known for a while, started doing grips and seats and stuff like that for downhill mountain bikes. So they've been in mountain biking for, for years. Well, they spun off and they, they want to get a little bit more into the endurance and road program. They designed a bar tape that is extremely comfortable. It's extremely durable. It's got a ton of grip and it comes in a bunch of really cool colors. Uh, it's, it's called Joystick. It's analog bar tape. And that's actually one of my personal sponsors that I brought on to the team to sort of help with exposure. And once again, boil it down to at the end of the day, making it as cost effective or cost efficient for the team to ride. For sure. If they don't have to pay for things, if they don't have to pay for things, everybody's a little bit more happy at the end of the day and a little bit more excited to travel more. So yeah. uh, those those are the companies we're working with. Joystick, Oakley Eyewear, Endura Clothing, uh, Northwave Shoes, and then obviously the big one, State, is the, the title sponsor and the main sponsor for the whole team. Nice. And then uh, Victoria Tires as well. And Bell Helmets. <laughs> yes, and Bell Helmets. I'm sorry. God, our list has gotten so long that I'm I'm struggling. Plus, I'm, It's all right. I'm here for you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nope. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with all of this, like, growth and all these sponsors and stuff, like, what is 2018 looking like for State as far as, like, uh, what the focus is? Since this is a fixed gear so, podcast, specifically in that, but... Yep. Yeah. Um, so our, our, our focus last year, we, we sort of reshaped focus last year because last year was a big building year for us and sort of deciding and figuring out what direction we wanted to go. Now we've got this race frame and we've got a few people on the team that are getting strong and starting to produce some results. And we reshaped, we, we avoided the red hooks last year. We did the one in Brooklyn just because obviously we have to, it's in, it's in North America. So you have to. Um, and then we did a bunch of the SoCal and fix, fixation series and just tried to hit a little bit smaller races so we could work on our team tactics and strategies and work on ourselves riding as a group all together. Well, for 2018, we're reshaping again and we're going to dive back into Red Hook. Um, we've got a four-man team and a, we've got a four-men squad and a four-women four squad. So we put a big emphasis on growing our women's squad as 
pretty much an all-new squad this year for the women's team, except for Erica Schwanke, who's been Erica Schwanke, who's been with us forever. But we've got three girls out of Austin, Texas, that all ride together on a daily basis. That we're extremely excited to switch over to the fixed gear world. They've all sort of dabbled in and out of it a little bit and produced some results at events like Red Bull Last Stand down in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, but so our women's squad is pretty much all new, which we're really, really excited to see how they do. We're hoping that we all, we get them all out to mission crit as sort of like a little tune up race before, before red hook, before the big show. So our women's squad is, uh, is going to be something that I'm really excited about this year. And I, I put a big emphasis on trying to find the best women that I could here in North America. We try and keep our team centralized to North America just because it's, it's easier to deal with everybody and it's easier to get everybody together and do these same races and actually race as a team for sure for the men's squad we've got myself josh tyrell returning as well as scott piercefield which is sort of like the core group that we've had for years uh, we've all been racing together for so long and then we're bringing a junior cyclist or a u23 cyclist noah granigan from colorado it's one of scott's good friends He's, I believe, like top 10 in the nation in U23, hoping for a podium at U23 Nationals this year. He's an absolutely stout, stacked guy, uh, and he has an interest in fixed gear. So we're going to throw him on a fixed gear and, and see what he can do. And hopefully between the four of us, we can all produce some results. But we are focusing back on the Red Hook Crit Series this year. That's awesome. That'll be really cool to see how that all works out. And I should get some of the women's team on the show too. That'd be rad. So Yeah, I can <laughs> I can link you with all I can link you with all, all of them. Uh, yeah. they're they're extremely excited. Like I said again, they're uh, the the three women, we've got uh, Emily Bodoin, we've got Lauren Jones and Sam Whip. And they're all out of Austin, Texas. They all race on, I believe, the same road team, which is pretty cool. So they race on road and fixed together. Nice. But they're all relatively they're all relatively new to the fixed gear world. They've done a few now that the driveway series in Austin, Texas is starting to throw some fixed gear races in during the year. Yeah, they're starting that. to race there a little. Yeah, they're starting to race there a little bit, and as well as they've got the opportunity to learn from masters like uh, like uh, uh, um, Spacing right now. Um, uh fudge why am i forgetting every oh ash dubin and uh ah, i'm spacing right now i apologize but there's i mean realistically there's so many top level women and men in austin texas that they can sort of piggyback on and learn yeah, from huge. and <laughs> all that kind of things i mean you got colin there you got ash uh so they've got a really good opportunity to sort of piggyback on some of the the top elite level riders there that's awesome that's really awesome. So that's cool. So you guys are going to focus on Red Hook uh, and you're going to kick ass. I feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the goal. You know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, we're going to show up to the race, kick some ass, and then we're going to win the after party too. That's so awesome. That's, 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 <laughs> that's our goals for this year is to win the race and the after party. For sure. I was talking to Josh a little bit and he seems like really – well, I talked to Josh and Scott on this podcast already and they were – yeah, everybody seems real stoked on this season, so I'm excited to see where you guys go with it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Josh has always Josh has always had a little bit of a, a disadvantage living here in Montreal because realistically we're under snow for six seven months out of the year. Yeah, uh, but now that he's over in Vancouver, and for some reason it doesn't snow very much in Vancouver, so he's able to ride outside a lot more, which is really really good for him. Uh, so I'm excited to see how this off-season off treats him because he's he's such a hammer and he's so powerful that I know if we could get some actual like good base miles in him, yeah. he's going to be such a powerhouse to contend with. So I'm really excited to see that. For sure. So when I had Josh and Scott on, we talked about like their most epic fixed gear rides, which, you know, was they did Mount Evans together. <laughs> yep. So I'm curious about your most epic fixed gear ride. Uh, probably my most epic fixed gear or my, my favorite to relate back to is going to be, I think it was 2014, 2015 was my first bike tour. So I conjured up the idea to ride from Jacksonville to Miami, which is about 400 miles in search of another one of the Red Bull mini drones. But I invited a ton of friends, um, 
and ended up being a group of 12 of us. We rode down from Jacksonville to Miami. We rode, it was four days. We all did it on fixed gears. So we rode 400 miles a day on fixed gears, camped out at night. We camped on the beach one night. We camped at like a retiree resort one night. Uh, but basically just four days of crushing fixed gears and bikepacking. It was, it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> that sounds uh, It was long. It was long. It was tiring, but it was, it was such a fun experience. Yeah, there's something about that endurance stuff that like you feel so just beat uh, afterwards, it's, but it's so yeah, but it's so empower it's so empowering. Yeah, uh, it was like that's and that's one thing that I'm starting. I know this is this is sort of related. This is I mean it's a track bike uh, talk, but that's that's something that I'm starting to get more and more into is is the really long endurance stuff. For sure. Uh, last weekend, last weekend I was doing a 12 hour mountain bike race, and there really is something about just absolutely giving everything you have at the end of the day and being completely destroyed. But 30 minutes afterwards, once, once your heart stops pounding, you just have a sigh of relief that like, man, I'm a badass. Right? I just rode for 12 <laughs> hours straight on my bike. I'm pretty cool. So it's, it's a really, really empowering notion. And you take it on a fixed gear and do a ride like Josh or Josh and then did up Mount Evans or me doing that Jacksonville to Miami and, you throw it on a fixed gear and it just makes it harder. So it makes it even more satisfying. Oh, for sure. I did like, uh, my first like century ride on a fixed gear, like over the yep. summer. And it was just, I'm hooked. Like I only want to like ride far. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, it is. It's a really, really good feeling. I do love it. Um, I just bought actually... a road bike though. So don't tell my listeners, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'm still going to ride fixed gear. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. That's yeah. really funny. But sometimes I want to go climb and then coast down the hill. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I did do. Um, now I will say I cheated. I uh, I had a break on. I was I was a little bit of a pansy, but I did Mount Wilson on a fixed gear out in Los Angeles, which oh, is awesome. it ended up being it was a hundred and five mile day with eight thousand feet. So it wasn't quite as much climbing as uh, Mount Evans, but That's still the a distance. It was, yeah, it was still it was still a long day. Uh, yeah. and I think that was I think I did that on a uh, fifty seventeen. So nice. it was a hard day. Yeah, it was a hard day. <laughs> I did like thirty eight hundred feet of climbing on a forty eight fifteen. That was pretty bad. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, that's brutal. You start getting down in those cog sizes, and it's just like, yeah, oh, it's like, such a grind. Yeah, I was like, why, why did I do this to myself? I should have threw my 17 on, but I was feeling lazy before I left, and I paid for it, but it was okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you always do. Always yeah, do. it was still fun. But uh, what are some of your favorite race stories, like some of the races you've done, like some of the highlights of, like, yeah. Um, The highlights, like the big highlights for me, are probably there's probably like three major ones uh, that first riding style that i won was a really really big one to me just because i sort of came out of nowhere and no one really knew who i was and it was racing against at the time the the best fixed gear athletes in the world so being able to win that race was a huge huge thing to me uh it was an extremely hard race and i actually didn't win the race until the last corner I was racing against Walton Brush, who is now a Continental Pro uh, road guy. Um, and so the way the course was designed, it was, I'll try and paint a picture for everybody. So there's, it's essentially an oval. It's an out and back. There's a big wooden berm at one, one end. And then there is a set of stairs at the other end. Well, they built a ramp going up the stairs uh, 90 degree turn and then back down the stairs. So you've essentially got a triangle with stairs in the middle of it and then two ramps on the side. So we go down and Walton gets the jump on me from the start. I'm following him. We go down around the big berm, come back and in the middle of the, the back straight, I would say, I would say it almost looks like Daytona. So it's not a perfect oval. There's sort of a, a turn in the middle of the one of the straights. It's like a 110 degree turn or something like that. But it's the same as the last turn where it's upstairs, 
turn and then back downstairs. So there's a little bit of a gap there. So we go down, go around the first berm. I'm following Walton. We go over the over the stairs, and then we hit the second turn where it's over the stairs and up and back down again. And then we go flying down the first straight, and I give it everything I have, and it's it's two laps. So I give it everything I have to try and pass him on the straight, and I can't get it done. So we go around the berm again, and on the inside of the little tiny J bend in the sec in the back straight, there is essentially what it, they're hay bales. Um, they're the tough blocks that you would see on like a motocross course or something like that. Yeah. So I'm ripping down the turn and I'm on, I, I come off the turn on the inside of Walton. So I'm on his left side and we're racing and we're sprinting and we're giving it everything I have. And the only line that is actually available, if I don't want to, uh, if I don't want to back off and get behind Walton, the only line that is available is to actually gap the stairs which is probably like a, a 10 foot gap or so with one of those tough blocks in the middle of it. Jeez. So I've got to like, I've got to get like a, a big hug. And there's actually a really, I, I threw, posted it as a throwback Thursday on my Instagram uh, a couple days ago. But so I bunny hop, like we're, we're probably like 25, 30 miles an hour. I bunny hop over this tough block and like gap these stairs and everyone starts freaking out. And then me and Walton go into the last turn completely side by side like bar to bar yeah and it just so happens that i'm on the inside and have the perfect line we clip bars at the top of the stairs walton slides out and i end up crushing in for the win um so that was a huge one uh because it just it was one of those races that like you could just watch over and over again because it was it was entertaining like, even myself in the race was, like, you you had no idea what was going to happen until the last second. It was really good. I was really happy with that one. Is there a video uh, of that race? <laughs> there is. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, I can send you a link to it. Okay, um, cool. I want to see that. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh it was it was a really good show. <laughs> but so my my second one is um 2 years ago, 2016 when I qualified first at Red Hook. Um that was that was a huge moment for me. Because I had just gotten a coach and I had told myself, like, hey, I really want to do Red Hook. Like, I want to do good at this. This, is, this might be, like, the direction I want to go. All of it paid off and I qualified first by a second and a half. And that, that was the year that Aldo and Colin came together as a team. So being able to take that top qualifying spot was a huge, huge feat for me and a, a huge mental motivator. Like, hey if I put my mind to this, like I can do this. Like I know I can do this for sure. Um, so I got that and I got to start on the podium, which fortunately kept me in front of that major crash and all that, which was really good. Got a lot of really cool pictures of me, uh, in front of everybody in front of the statue of Liberty that ended up being the cover of a magazine. Like it was just, I got a lot of really, that one was, that one was really, really gratifying. That's awesome. And then my last one, is last year's rad race in last man standing in berlin on the go-kart track almost the same exact scenario as riding style back in 2012 um the race was not decided until the last corner yeah i was racing a goose i was racing a gusto riati and he passed me on one of the straights in the the last lap so he actually he crashed or got caught up in a crash i don't think he fully crashed but he got caught up in a crash with like three laps to go. And so I got a little bit of a lead, but my tires were starting to pick up a little bit of rubber from the go-kart track. So they were getting extremely slippery. So I couldn't go faster on any of the corners, essentially like I was ice skating uh, yeah. the last, the last couple laps. I and saw I the video you kept... made where you, <laughs> you had to crash out a yeah. bunch of times before. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but I have no idea how he kept grip the entire race, but by the last lap, I was essentially ice skating and he catches back up to me on the last lap about halfway through the course. He passes me and I'm just like, I just see my, all my hopes and dreams going out the window. I'm just like, no. So he passes me. We go down this long straightaway. We come back. It's a hairpin and he leaves the inside door open on the last hairpin of the course. So it's a hard hairpin and then it keeps, it actually goes over 90 degrees. It goes probably, or it goes over 180. It probably goes about 200 degrees. So it sort of doubles back on itself. And then it's a hard right. 
So he leaves the inside door open on the hairpin, and we're both just – we're full sprint into this hairpin, and both end up going into the wall and almost crashing. But so we go around the hairpin, and I'm on his inside, so I pass him, and we both pretty much run into the wall, come to a dead stop, and then it's like just all hell breaks loose, and it's just an, an instant sprint for the finish. And I was able to hold him off like the last two turns – but it was another one of those races that just was heart pounding and just, I don't know if I could take it again because uh, it was so stressful, but it was such an amazing event. <laughs> so those are, pr- those are probably my three biggest. I don't know if I could wind it down to one. Oh, that's awesome. No, that uh, rad race looks pretty much everything rad race does just looks like a blast. And I want to do all of oh, it. They, it just makes it so rad. Like everything yeah. <laughs> about rad race is just so good. I'm, I'm really excited to get back there in a couple of weeks. For sure. So you are doing last stand again. Yep. I'm doing last stand again. I'm not doing fix 42 this year. I kind of want to do the, the tour to friends, but yeah. um, I don't know how many times I want to go over to Europe this year. It's just, it's such a haul getting over there. For sure. It just wears you out so much, yeah. uh, especially because with the, with the, the fixed gear team this year, we're actually, we guaranteed everybody getting to at least the first two red hooks of the year. So, um, and then we'll sort of reshape and, figure out everything, figure out who's going to the next ones from there. But we are doing at least the first two red hooks of the year as a team. That's awesome. What other big crits are you guys going to do? Uh, mission? Yeah, we're going to do mission. Uh, I don't know if we'll have a full squad at mission, but everyone that's able to go is going to be there. Uh, red bull last stand, I believe is coming back again this year. So we'll be at that one in October. Sweet. I'm going to we'll do, that do... Too. nice. Awesome. that will be rad. Uh, and we're going to do all of the fixation series again. Cool. Um, and I think that's most of our big ones. Yeah. I mean, that's still a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to sort of kickstart the new team and see where everybody is and see where everybody stands and, uh, just develop the team further. Um, putting a big emphasis on our women's team. I'm really excited to see how they do this year. Um, so it's going to be, it's just going to be really, really good to have them racing as a team and sort of watch that develop. That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. So I have two more questions and then we'll okay. be out of here. So first I want to know what you're listening to when you're training. <laughs> uh, so when I'm, when I'm training, there's, there's a couple different ways that it goes. Um, it could be literally any type of music from let's say super classical to death metal to <laughs> uh, NWA and Tupac, like I will literally listen to anything. It just it depends on the mood for a specific time. For sure. Um, generally, when I'm out doing like long miles, it'll be a little bit slower stuff until I start getting like at the 12 hour race. It was pretty mediocre stuff, like relatively slow, and then by hour six, it was okay, I need something heavy and like super motivating from like Eminem to NWA or um, a lot of asking Alexandria. And then sometimes it gets to a point where I'm like, I can't do music right now. I don't want to hear anything. I just want to, I don't want any distractions. I kind of just want to go. So sometimes I can't even listen to music at all. For sure. Uh, it's It's a really, really case by case basis. But I will literally like, my playlist is anything from classical Beethoven to NWA to asking Alexandria and everything in between. It's a ridiculous playlist. Oh, if you, I'm the same sometimes, way, so. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the jumps in music are like, I'm listening to it and I'm the one saying like, what, what the hell? Like you'll go from literally like you'll go from Biggie to uh party in the USA. Like it is just, it goes all over the place. It's, it's wild. For sure. I was feeling like yesterday I was doing intervals and at first, like, uh, like I was on the trainer cause you know, I'm in Colorado and yep. it was like oh, yeah. zero degrees yesterday, which, you know, it's colder where you are, but, <laughs> uh, uh, it's still, yeah, but it's still, it's still not fun. Like, oh no, no, it's no. Been pretty, the weather, the weather, unfortunately, or unfortunately here has been pretty shitty lately, but yeah, yeah, no, I know the feeling. So I'm like on the trainer and I start out like a lot of times I'm listening to hip hop. So I start out listening to the Fugees and then during like the sprint parts of the intervals, I was just like not feeling it. So then like the rest of the time was minor threat and Fugazi. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it was just like all over the place. But yeah, oh, yeah. I feel yeah. 
And then I kind of wanted to like get your feel on like what are some of your favorite like bike videos? Like um, anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be track bikes. Like what gets you pumped? You know, I uh I've never really been what been one to watch videos. Like even back even back in my BMX days, like everyone everyone knew who all these riders were and knew all these faces and stuff like that, where it was uh everyone would watch all these videos online and I was I was much more the person that was oh, I just want to go ride my own bike and get my own stoked. But right. there's a few of there's there are a few of them that get me stoked. Um I forget which one it is. I think I think Dylan Buffington's part in in the most recent Mass Video series so good really got really got me stoked. Just the music at the beginning of it just gets me so high and like yeah oh my god. Where it's like it's not even like super crazy actions going on. Just the music got me so hyped. Uh, so that's that's probably on like my top ten, like top three that I could just go watch over and over again, and it would make me want to go ride a bike for sure. And then. Anything that comes out of Garrett Reynolds in the BMX world, I can watch him all day, all night because he's just, he's so technical on his bike and he's just, he's got so much skills and makes everything look so easy when I know exactly how hard it actually is. For sure. Uh, and then my last three would probably be uh, watching Aaron Gwynn race downhill. Uh, watching him ride downhill gets me hyped. Like anything that's fast, basically. For sure. Just fast, fast and heavy hitting. Yeah, that like mash part uh, in the newest mash where the dude is like on that huge gear ratio and he's riding on that. Oh, mountain. yeah. Yep, Rainier. Yep. Yeah. That oh, yeah. Is insane. That's like one of my favorite things. Like that'll get me to go get on my bike anytime I turn that on. <laughs> Heck yeah. Definitely. That's Definitely. Awesome. Oh, speaking of videos, I was, I did have it on here. Uh, if you wanted to talk about your YouTube channel, cause you kind of like been putting more emphasis on that. Um, yeah. So after, after, uh, the, the split with Red Bull, um, after we made that final, I sort of had to figure out a direction that I wanted to go as potentially a career. Um, because cycling is great and all, but cycling doesn't necessarily pay the bills. Uh, unless you've got a major corporate sponsor like a Red Bull or something like that. So uh, I sort of had to to brainstorm and, and see what direction I wanted to go. And I've really got into making videos lately. And uh, there's, there's something about learning new things. Like I'm always up for a learning experience. And uh, creating videos and creating content is something that I've been terrible at for a long time. I've just been no good at it. So by committing myself to doing this and committing myself to posting at least one video a week and so on and so forth, I'm forcing myself to learn. And I, they say you're your own biggest critic, but that is 100% the truth. I watch all the videos that I am making over and over again. Like you should have done this differently. You should do that (laughs) differently. You can make this better. Like, your frame rate's wrong. Your audio is terrible. Like I, I watch all these things over and over again, but it's an opportunity for me to inspire a next generation to just have fun. Uh, that's something that's huge to me and hits really home with me is expi- inspiring the next generation. Um, and that's where I sort of see TV going. Like I don't really see kids that I appeal to watching TV. They, they watch YouTube, they watch Facebook videos, they watch Instagram videos. So it's an outlet for me to reach a different generation and just continue in inspiring and try and make the cycling world look as fun as possible. For sure. Cause it is so much fun and there's like, yeah, I think yeah, and that- it's so, it's so hard to relay that message in, in a photo. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're like, if you're a national geographic level photographer, like if you are an insanely good photographer, you can relay that fun through a photo, but let's be real. 99.9% of the people in the world are not that photographer that can relay that much detail in a single photo where video, it's so much easier. You have so much more time and 
you throw music on it and it completely changed the vibe. Like there's so many as- aspects to video building for sure. that help tell the story that I am just, I'm falling in love with quickly. I actually just finished up a video as, as we were jumping on our call that nice. I'm really excited at my unboxing video for all my bike parts that I, I just built up my, my 12 hour bike for. Hell yeah. I just watched the ice video that you posted the other day, finally, right before we did this. So <laughs> that, that one was pretty cool. I was really excited. Uh, there were a few things that I, that I was bummed. I didn't get, uh, yeah. that's one thing that I'm finding out video is like, just shoot everything because you'd rather have too much content than not enough. But sure. that was, that was such a fun event. Me coming from Florida and not knowing anything about winter and then going to that and seeing it, it's like, oh, that got me jazzed on racing. That, that got me jazzed on winter and like doing that race next year. I cannot wait for it to come back around. That's awesome. Yeah. And that whole like being critical of your videos and stuff while you're watching it, because I'm a filmmaker as well. And yep. I also do that with this podcast, but that's just how you get better, you know, which is yeah, that's, that's the what most I'm important like thing. I- yeah. Exactly. Like you notice one thing in the video and then you make a mental note like, Hey, I can do this better next time. I can shoot this one way. I can use this steady cam. I can handheld this. Like there's so many different variables that like you learn throughout the process. And it's, it's been a, it's been a fun experience so far and I'm hoping to just dive further and further in. That's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of like with this podcast, like you're going to be episode 12 or 13. I can't remember right now. Yep. Uh, and if you go back and just listen to that arc, they just get progressively better each time. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I love exactly. that feeling. Cause the same was like, I've been making films since I was like 19 or something. And like all yep. of my films, you just see them getting better and better. And now I can throw something together. That's really good pretty quickly. And so yep. now this is like my new challenge. <laughs> Heck yeah. So no, it's I love it, man. It's I love learning new things. It's it's always always a fun fun endeavor. Absolutely, and I I find them helpful too. You know, I'm like uh, your videos for like example, like the trainer and stuff. Like anything yep. that I can watch and get that from other people about like how to train, how to do other things. You know, because I never got serious about cycling until, and I'm 32. I never got serious about cycling until like a year ago. And I've been riding BMX since I was a kid. I've been riding fixed gear bikes for over a decade, like all that stuff. But like, for some reason last year, I was just feeling so unhealthy and so crappy and all this stuff, you know? And I got back on my bike and was like, oh, this isn't just like a thing to go to work on and to just go party with friends. This is like exercise. And I don't know why it never really hit me like that before. But like now I'm training, I've lost 50 pounds. I'm like, yeah. Wow. So it's been crazy. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's actually, that's actually a, another, another thing that I'm sort of diving into this year is I'm, I'm actually going to start coaching a few athletes, which I'm really excited about. Oh um, yeah. I've sort of, I've sort of always toyed with it. I coached back when I raced BMX, I coached for a couple of years and had a great time doing it. So I finally picked it up again this year. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to try and pick up a few athletes and see if I know how to see if I can figure out how to coach this endurance stuff. Um, so that's, that's another endeavor that I'm, I'm extremely excited about. That's awesome. Well, before yes, we get out of here, you have any last shout outs? Uh, you want to shout out your sponsors or tell people where to find you on social media, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've, I got to thank all my sponsors as always. I mean, State is huge. We've got Northwave doing my shoes, Oakley doing my glasses, Endura, Bell Helmets, and then Joystick as a, as a, as a really big partner that I'm excited to sort of grow a brand and, and actually create a brand around. Uh, and then, as always, my, my wife for, for putting up with my ridiculous travel schedule and my, my family and just people like you letting me relay my message and, and sort of promote myself and just try and keep fun fun the reality in this in this cycling dream that we have my youtube is addison zawada my instagram handle is at addison zawada my facebook is addison zawada uh don't really do much on twitter but you can find me on those three platforms and i try and update every day new youtube videos every week things from how to work on your bike to how to pack your bike to different events that i go to all over the world 
if you guys want to ride with me, send me a message. I would love to come ride, love to travel. Let's do something fun together. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Addison. No, thank you for having me. I'm an extreme pleasure for my end, and I, uh, I look forward to listening to it. Cool. I'll let you know when it's out. <laughs> awesome, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. I want to thank Addison so much for coming on. It was really cool talking to him. Um, yeah, so tell your friends about this podcast. Go leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast. We have a lot of really exciting things coming up, so I just appreciate you guys. So check us out on Instagram at Save the Track Bike, SaveTheTrackBike.com. The music is from Vitamin Pets. This was produced by David Draper. And thank you to FixGearCrit.com. So go visit them. Go look at the crit schedule. And yeah, until next time, go ride whatever bike, wherever.